I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. Hey everybody, it's Micah and Josiah Keneally here. And we are super excited to let you know about an amazing opportunity called 2021 Young Adults Today Conference. It's happening March 5th and 6th virtually this year. This means that you and your teams can tune in from wherever you are. This conference is geared specifically for next generation leaders and their teams. Some of the guests helping us lead the way are Brad Jones from Passion Movement, Dr. Sammy Kim from Harvard University, Pastor Josh Schaldau from Evangel Church, Grant Skeldon from Q Ideas. There'll be breakout sessions, panels, times of connection, worship, and more. So register now at www.youngadults.today conference. Hope to see you there. Can't wait. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Mike Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and my co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how are you doing today? Great. Hey, babe. How are you? I'm doing great. The sun is shining. The birds are chirping. We're still healthy, thank God. Mm-hmm. And we are just having a blast. I and agree. we have some awesome individuals that we have on the other end here. So without further ado, let's inform the audience who in the world are we visiting with today. I'd love to. Guys, thanks for tuning in. If you're listening, um, wherever you're listening from, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good night. We're really excited to have you join us on Young Adults Today podcast. And today we have two special guests, um, Scott and Karen Hagen, who serve as the president at North Central University in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Prior to NCU, the Hagans pastored Real Life Church in Sacramento, California. Scott holds his PhD in leadership from Gonzaga University and is the author of several books. And here's the deal. We just think the world of Dr. Scott and Karen Hagan. Um, we're really thrilled to have you guys join us today. So thanks for taking some time. No, thank you for the invite. And uh, my wife and I, you guys are together uh, and we are separate. We're doing marriage distancing right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm a little funny, but we, I'm in Minneapolis. Karen's actually sitting in Sacramento, and I'm going to try not to count the rotations of the fan uh, next to her on this video because that's. Did I turn it off? <laughs> Is that going to bother you? <laughs> no, it's totally okay. Totally okay. Anyway, thanks for the invite, you guys. We love you too. Hi, mad, mad respect for you guys as well. Easy. Well, we're kicking off season five. So hello, 2021. I know a lot of people have just had a rough 2020 and leave big things for the roaring 20s decade. And so we're going to spend some time talking with you guys about your life, your ministry, your leadership and leadership in general. So Michael, we'll kick off the first question. Yeah. So we would just love to hear from both of you. Will you be willing to share your story, um, maybe how you first met, yeah, was it, how you was got it like married. An app? Was it a dating app? How'd you guys meet? I think it's an app called Facebook. Yeah, the there was no apps. There was no apps in the eighties. Sorry. <laughs> you talk about old school. We met at Sunday night church on Sunday I night know. service. Uh, after church, before the afterglow. Uh, these are just ancient term terms, you know, from the days gone by. But. Anyway, Karen, I'll, you, you can uh, tell how, how we first quickly met. Um, well, we had we have two definitely different stories. So it's my perspective versus his perspective. He chased me, and he says that I chased him. So we'll, we'll see what comes out. But yeah, we had a friend of mine that, um, uh, that introduced us. He was at Bethany, and I was in Sacramento working. And 
Um, she went to Bethany, they met, became friends, and then she set us up. And they're, they're our actual lifelong friends um, t- as of today. We, we've just been friends forever. And um, so uh, it wasn't necessarily love at first sight. Uh, I would say it was probably interest at first sight. And um, he was younger than me. So I don't, I didn't usually date guys that were younger than me. So um, <laughs> I was eight weeks younger, but I will tell you yeah, this. Was, Karen's a godly woman, but she was dating five people simultaneously. Oh, stop. No, I was not. So, uh, <laughs> I emerged from the pack no, we, of five. We do and, not want to go into that part of our story, honey. Because, <laughs> and, and got my wallet on our first date, took her to a yes. dollar movie. Uh, and then I took her to a pizza place that I knew was closed so I wouldn't have to buy it. She invited me over to her house and where, her, where she lived with her parents. So the plan worked beautifully and uh, <laughs> we knew within seconds that we would be building a whole life together. So He won me over because he could not be cool in front of me. He was just my, he was just Scott and uh, that was very intriguing to me. So I, I really uh, took to him fast once we connected. <laughs> You still have him fumbling over his words. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Each other and he chased. So awesome place to be in marriage. <laughs> I love it. And can can you guys follow that up? Of just we know that you planted a church, pastored a church, and now you're leading as the president of North Central University, where I both went. We're right. alumni, proud alumni. Go Rams. And, um, but how is that, you know, life of ministry and the transition of ministry from the local church to the university setting? What's that been like? Um, just real fast, you know, it, our life happened very quick. You know, it, it is true. Uh, the days are long, the years are fast. You know, you hear that uh, phrase a lot. And we're celebrating our 38th year of marriage this year. Um, I was 19, she was 20, you know, by eight weeks or 12 weeks. Um, but <clears throat> we started serving as junior high pastors at a church where there are seven, eight years with, uh, and we're the youth directors there in San Jose. So my formative years, I was in a very structured, great environment. I grew up chaotic, 27 moves by the time I was 16. She grew up in the same house her whole life. Her dad still lives in the house she grew up in. Um, um, so it was complete, uh, two different narratives meshed into this new, beautiful thing, uh, of this life. But, you know, back in the day, uh, I tell people, no one asked us what our passion was. We had no dreams. You didn't think in terms of the future. You simply were living in the present. You didn't compare yourself to anybody because you didn't know what anybody was doing around the country. There was no access to information about other people's leadership lives. So you just were kind of in your little tiny atmosphere, living uh, and being faithful. And then it just kind of, the page turns and you don't know what's tomorrow. It's a totally different vibe today in how people think about their future and all the anxiety that's connected to the modern day look. But we were there seven years, youth pastors planted a church there 11 years in Elk Grove, went to Michigan for five years. Um, that's what I found about North Central University, which then came back into play. Went back, uh, planted a church in 2005, was there 11 years. And then the door opened up uh, to the presidency at North Central. Um, I never thought about being a college president I'm a pastor at heart. I still sign everything PSH. People think it's President Scott. I think the P stands for pastor. Um, but I love education. And I went back, finished my master's degree, and then started my PhD. And then out of nowhere, the door opened up uh, to North Central, which I thought was the gold standard of, of fire and scholarship of all schools in the country. And there was actually two more schools that called me simultaneously. And <clears throat> this was the 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 job of a life uh, time. Mm-hmm. And so... 
we made the shift. It's been, it's, it's ministry to us. So there's, there's a lot of familiarity, similarity, but it is a new, uh, I'm flying in a new, in a new cockpit, new set of buttons, new set of coordinates. It's been a sharp learning curve. We still do it as a team. Uh, Karen is known as Mrs. H on campus here, but Karen's an ordained assembly God minister herself. And so she gave up a full-time pastoral position uh, to come to North Central with me. Um, so we're still finding our way, but uh, how would you frame it, hon? Um, well, for him, it was the, I say the difference would be that we went from being in ministry to an actual job <laughs> and, you know, he's the CEO of, a, of an organization where before we were pastors together. So there wasn't really a place for me that was uh, actual, like I have a job description. So for me, the, the transition was a little mo bit more rocky, but um, at the same time, you know, I know enough about the Lord to know that. He doesn't put you in a new place and just say, okay, you're done. You can just, you know, be the, the thing that I used to hate was the waving pastor's wife. Like my whole role was just, I just sit by my husband's side and wave, you know, I, I just never have been that I have to be involved. So, um, I just prayed and said, God, you got to show me what my role is going to be here because I, um, I hadn't graduated from a university. I did some online, um, university work, but never went to an actual university. So I had no framework for what, you know, a, a um, president's wife even is or does, you know, other than you see the White House, you know, that's, that was my, so I just really began to pray and ask the Lord God, what do you have for me? What is my role here? What would you um, want me to put my hand to do? And, and the Holy Spirit was just so gracious as he always is just to um, give me an assignment. My first assignment was to be present and to love on the kids. And I was like, okay, I can do that, you know, and then just be willing to step into whatever it is that would come along, which I think that's how we should live anyway in our lives is just to be ready and to be present in the moment, be present in the place and be willing to step into um, and seize the opportunity that God uh, puts in front of you. So that was really kind of my journey of um, transition from being a pastor to being, you know, a Mrs. H. Um, and, uh, but re recognizing that we have this whole new congregation of young people, you know, who are on fire for God and yeah. have a purpose for their life. And what better congregation to pastor than that? So we kind of look at our job now that we have as a, we are pastoring this next generation. And so we are spiritual mom, a spiritual mom and dad. We understand that um, mantle and that anointing that is on our life. And we are willing to be used in whatever capacity because there is no framework for it. It just is you be ready um, to see what God has for that particular day. <laughs> so, Right. I think that's an awesome just representation of an active teammate, Karen. I think that you have been an active teammate. And it's fun mm -hmm. to for the listener, if you do not know the Hagans, they both have a call of God on their lives totally. and to have a couple who are both able to say, I'm fulfilled in what God's put before me and I'm fulfilled, but we're also teammates in that process. And we're able to mm -hmm. link arms and step forward because we don't see necessarily a lot of pastors um, and pastors wives, both called to ministry at the capacity that you guys are. So Karen, I would love to hear your, from a vantage point of a woman in ministry, um, a wife who's married to a pastor, president, doctor, whatever, whatever terminology you want to say for Scott. Grandfather. 
10 grandkids now so oh my gosh oh my gosh that's amazing i just saw you guys had your most recent one a couple months ago was it a couple weeks yeah a couple weeks. Oh, another one a couple weeks they're coming yeah. fast we might have had one yesterday i don't, I don't know <laughs> wake up <laughs> love that well you're very active not only in your marriage and in ministry but in your family, in your family yeah. so Karen I would just love to hear from a vantage point of female in ministry like I was saying um, how did you like discover your role and how would you encourage other women who may be a pastor's wife and have that like similar call but maybe a different lane but recognizing yeah. that you're on the same team does that make sense yeah um, I would say that you know my whole premise was um, just be able to hear the voice of the Lord for, for what is it that's going to happen in my life. So for me and Scott, we are a team. We're, we've been married for 38 years. So my role does not, is not dependent upon Scott's role. Right. And I think a lot of times if you're married, a lot of times women will kind of sit around waiting for maybe their husband to say, okay, what can I do? And, and I, I wasn't really like that. I, I needed to understand what my role is um, myself and who, because I, I always knew that as much as I resisted, because I did resist ministry because I was afraid to step into leadership, um, once God got a hold of the, the all of me, right. uh, I was able to say, okay, God, what is it that, what piece do I bring to the table? And I think that that is... Um, that transcends marriage, singleness, divorce, whatever role that you're playing, whatever uh, place that you are in your life right now, what is the piece that I bring to the table? Because I do bring a piece to the table. Right. And I think um, in that, I have to walk humbly before the Lord to love people, to be ready to serve whatever capacity that you know God has chosen for me. And I think if I am walking intimately with the Lord, I understand that I, what his voice is in my life, that I will be ready to take on whatever challenge, take on whatever, uh, you know, role, whoever it is that I'm supposed to minister to. But I think that the, the understanding that I, this is my responsibility right. to do what God has, um, in my life. And it really, it connects for me, it connects to my husband, but at the same time, there's this whole place that I have to do what God's called me to do personally as well. And I think that would probably be the general, you know, statement over, uh, over my life and over any minister's life is that you have to be ready to do what God has called you to do, whether you're married, single, divorced, you know, widowed. Every season, you have, a, you have an assignment. There's an assignment in every season for you. There's a mandate from God in every season of your life. And, and we have to be ready for that. So that requires me to have a responsible, loving, intimate relationship with God. So I hear his voice. I know what he's calling me to do at that point. I love that. And just to follow that up, we see you guys as such a we. And I know that that speaks highly to Mike and I, because it's not he and it's not she for us. It's yeah. very much we. Mm -hmm. And we is so much stronger than me. And, and Scott, I just want to push into this for a second, because one of the trends we're seeing in next generation leadership is together. Couples that have a call together and they, they have an anointing together, or they really long to do ministry with their best friend and serve 
God for his glory. So can you talk about like, what advice would you have for the young couple? Maybe they're fresh out of Bible college. Maybe they're in their first role together in ministry. Maybe they're engaged thinking about getting married or single longing to be married. What would you say to the young person about leading together? It's, it's a great, great question. I would say, <laughs> here's the thing I notice about couples looking back over, you know, 40 years of leadership. Uh, those who've not made it, you I mean, their marriage is split. They were in ministry. Um, <clears throat> I knew the guy, but I didn't know who his wife was. And so one of that, tr- what I'm saying is this trend is a beautiful thing. The people that have made it, um, they're like, people know us as Scott and Karen. It's one name. They don't know, hey, there's Scott Hagen. Who's his wife? So Scott and Karen Hagen is a single name. Um, and so we're known, our brand is, and people see me at from every public setting for 40 years, you know, with my arm around my wife or we're holding hands or we're talking. There's a togetherness. There's not this, this vague guesswork, like what's, but, and, but the people who have failed, I look back and the common trait is wow. there was this invisibility to their relationship on the public side. Um, and so I just think go leading as, as a Scott and Karen, as a single name um, has been key. I, other thing too is here, here's the difference in your generation, my generation, that's totally true. We got to spend the majority of our formative years in obscurity. Now, people knew us in our world, but we got to spend our 20s and our 30s and some of our 40s before social media was invented in a place of obscurity. So there was a seasoning, a maturity. It was more undistracted. Now, everything is broadcast. It's, it's out there. The light is shining. The popper, self-paparazzi, because we, we film ourselves, so we are our own paparazzi is how we build our brand, we build our message. <clears throat> our new microphone is social media. With imagery, people see us and people are giving us feedback. Um, and so couples have all this pressure they put on themselves, this weight, without this obscurity in which the roots, the maturity, the seasoning, growing up together before you go public. So Karen and I got to kind of go public in our 40s. I mean, we had a church of thousands of people in our 30s and all that, but we really went public in our 40s. So we could weather a lot of stuff where your generation, they're going public, you know, before they're married. I mean, they're just like, it's all public. And I'm not certain we understand the ramifications of that yet long term on the marriage, the marriage life. And um, where we had, we had kind of a different set of conditions um, but the together thing, it's the only way, the, not the competition, but the completeness. Um, and it's, it's the right thing. But the social media component has added this variable that is sabotaging the togetherness a little bit, if I could put it that way. For sure. And I think that the two things that I draw out from that is the first is you talked about private and public life. And Jesus is this model of so much 30 years of private life, three years of public life. And then Mm -hmm. I think our generation really needs to listen to what you just said about visibility and valuable. Like just because it's visible doesn't make it valuable. Just because it's invisible or hidden or obscure doesn't decrease or diminish the value. And so, Scott, we love your book, um, The Language of Influence. I've read it a number of times. 
a lot of young leaders as well. And there's one line in there that I've been dying to ask you about. <laughs> there's a lot of lines in there, but you're, you're generous with words. You're fluent in the language, language of leadership. And what I'm going <laughs> to ask you about this morning is you say in the book, um, what, what you say about others tells me more about you than it does about them. And we live right now in a world that can be toxic at times from cancel culture, comparison culture, and call out culture. Um, social media is a part of that, but not all of that. And so can you just do a dive into what does that mean and what do you mean by that? So uh, when I originally wrote that statement, it came from a place where I can feel people's absence of enthusiasm, uh, not, not this brutal count, can't cancel call out culture that we, that's emerged like, uh, this terrible poison that's in our, uh, society. But when I hear other leaders, especially in the peer group, um, show a lack of enthusiasm in how they describe somebody, because it reveals an insecurity inside them that they don't want that person to get theirs first because somehow their success is gonna rob their, my potential. And it really reveals a scarcity mindset that we, so we, we, we are kind of um, a lack of, uh, like I said, enthusiasm or kind of um, this passive way that we talk about people or we kind of highlight their flaw a little bit. We make certain that the person who's getting to know them through my words understands that they have a flaw too. Don't be too excited about this person. That tells me a lot about you, um, that there's something in you that is broken or insecure. When I hear you gush and resource and celebrate somebody's life when they're not around, that tells me that you are a free person, a whole person, um, and that you understand the mathematics of the kingdom, that when we, we bless others, our life is blessed and refreshed. So I can always pick up that trait uh, when people are, are describing someone to me like, okay, something inside them is still uh, not there yet. Um, they're blaming them or they're like making certain I don't, I understand that they're, they have a flaw too. You do, it's like, why did you need to tell me that about that person? And so it's just something I picked up on through the years. I think that's so good to to recognize that first of all we're all flawed totally. second of all we all have insecurities but when it rears its ugly head in you know in conversation that something that we need to work on that we need to surrender that we need to forgive or be healed of and that's the thing about leadership is that we need to recognize the fact that god is in control we need to be on our knees in prayer and we have to be fasting we have to really be um aware i think many people we are we're not necessarily aware of what's going on in our in ourself we can point the flaws out in others um, it, it, I, I didn't mean to interrupt that was beautiful i was going to share that a simple metaphor is going from player to coach so i deal a lot with people their 20s late 20s early 30s they're still hanging on to their dream to be a pro athlete they're going to tryouts um and they haven't let it go and they've got this kid <clears throat> that they're not spending time with because they still are trying to be an athlete themselves and there's always this monumental shift where they go, you know what, I'm going to coach my kid now rather than try to be the player myself. And the playing, the exhilaration of participation is actually comes through coaching, which is really the emergence of another person, right. um, not the emergence of self. And you see every leader go through this where they, they struggle because they're not, they didn't get their chance to be an all-star personally. Why am I helping this other person become an all-star? 
but that happens in a father and mother's life and it happens in leadership and in sports. But when you make the decision to go from player to coach, your life goes to a different level. I think it's a great illustration for the listener to recognize that we all have something to offer and the game is going to change. Sometimes our role needs to change sometimes Mm -hmm. sooner rather than later. And sometimes you try to hold on a little too long, but uh, Scott and Karen, we've recognized um, something at North Central University. Like I said, we are proud alumni and we absolutely love what God is doing. Unfortunately, the the moment that I graduated, that's when you had come in um, as leader. So I never got to be under your leadership. Like, initially as a student, but I, I get to know you now. And we've watched the last few years how NCU has went from an amazing place that was built or, you know, for you to live. And just an outsider's perspective, I feel like it's been gone to an extraordinary. Seriously? Like God has really shined his light and the, the hunger for the students and their willingness to step out and pray for each other and discover more of who God is and what he has for them. Just because we still know some students there to see their life radically transformed because of a college campus. And we recognize that there's a a new uh, fire and scholarship. Is that correct? Yep. And uh, would you want to go there and just share like, what has God been doing there these last few months, even in the midst of COVID this last year? Well, first of all, I think the natural promise over this campus for 90 years continues to, to unfold. Yeah. So you're seeing the natural promise of God that is, has rested over this school. Um, you're seeing the natural maturation. You're seeing the beautiful uh, building on the shoulders of previous work. Because for a work to be sustainable, it has to be budding, B-U-D-D-I-N-G, budding. It builds on previous practice. So there is this building upon the shoulders and the previous practice of, of uh, Gordon Anderson, Don Argue, that has been somewhat easy, to be honest. I was handed a beautiful school that was ready to emerge and converge. Uh, and, but, you know, it, these are unique times. I mean, obviously, America uh, with COVID and with um, uh, the racial tensions and with the election coming up, it's kind of like the Bermuda Triangle we're flying through all of these dynamics. And I think as a leader, sometimes people are saying, hey, say something, you got to say something to make sense of something. And, but right now, it's almost like, I don't even know what's going on. The world is moving so fast. I, I say it's like trying to catch confetti in, with tweezers. You're like, I, I, I can't grab hold of all the data that's falling around me to make sense of it and organize it. So you've got to let the full experience come and not be so quick to describe the shapes and shadows that you see. Um, something powerful is happening spiritually. Something very dramatic is happening socially. Um, there is the emergence of revival and the emergence of evil. Uh, you have these simultaneous mountains, both forming of both um, atrocity and evil and conspiracy and the end times and the devil is working and people are losing their minds and lawlessness and lovelessness is just emerging. Uh, you know, when I grew up, the signs of the times was what, what we learned. Uh, we we kind of shifted from prophecy to the prophetic. And so we used to understand prophecy, the signs of the times, which we're seeing. Nowadays, there's a real illiteracy about prophecy because uh, everybody's been prophetic I have a word for you or a word for this, but I don't understand what the Bible says about the traits and the signs of the times. I understand signs and wonders, but not signs of the times. So I think there's going to be a real reemergence of prophecy 
and teaching on prophecy to help us prepare for the return of the Lord, which is really the urgency factor that keeps us holy and keeps us evangelizing the world. So the return of the Lord was really lost in the last 30 years, 40 years in this passion destiny movement, leadership movement. Um, and the Lordship of Jesus was kind of replaced by leadership teaching. And I love teaching on leadership, but, but leadership has been nudged. Lordship was nudged out. And the urgency of Christ's return as I'm building my dream. And we're trying to reconcile all this right now in this turbulent uh, reordering. And it's exciting. We're going to be okay uh, as long as we're reading our Bibles and we are spending time walking with the Lord uh, throughout the day. But it is a dynamic moment. The university, I think, is poised to do things uh, like never before in this country. And the Lord really pushed North Central to the forefront nationally in these last couple of months. Right. Karen, I would love to hear from you even. I know that you are very much in tune with the Spirit. I know that you um, are in, the, in tune with the gift of prophecy and the prophetic. Is there anything that you're seeing from a vantage point with some females that you've been able to reach out to or like meet with on campus that have just kind of blown your mind that you're able to share? Um, well, you know, school kind of closed down like it right there at the beginning. So the students did go home. But what I would say that um, just talking on Facebook with some of the, the girls and uh, just women in general, I'm just uh, really encouraging every uh, single one to uh, really just, you know, this is a time for the church to wake up. And the church has to awaken in this time. It's almost like we've been you know, I, I talked, I preached at a church a couple of weeks ago and um, I said, we didn't get, we didn't step into this new season. We've been shoved into this new season wow. and there's no framework for this season. And so for us to be able to hear that, that still small voice and to do, you know, what God um, has called us to do for this particular moment, I said that before, but I remember being so frustrated even at the beginning of this and saying, you know, what can, what can we do as, a, as an individual person? And that frustration, you know, became overwhelmed me, overwhelmed me and became almost to a place where I'm depressed because I don't know what to do with all of this. We don't have an understanding or framework. And um, I literally was just up in the middle of the night for two hours, just praying. And the Lord in that time, because I was willing to get up and, and take my frustrations to the foot of the cross, he gave me a plan to work on for my own individual life so that I can walk through this myself. And he gave me, because like I said, each one of us has an, a mandate for every season. He gave me a mandate. And once I had that mandate and he gave me a scripture and he said, go do this. And for me, it was literally walking around the, the Capitol building in Sacramento on a prayer walk. And I did it day after day after day. And I invited other people, but it didn't matter if anybody else came. I knew what God had called me to do and what my role and my mandate was for that moment. And in that and doing that, it gave me a peace uh, through that. And so I have really encouraged, um, you know, the women and the girls that I've talked to, what is God saying to you? And do that, uh, do that now, be willing to do that because that will help release the pressure that we have then you'll hear the voice of God. That's prophetic right there. Yeah. You know, prophets, we think the prophetic is I have to be in church and I have to give somebody a word. And I have been very, it's been very fluid in my life as I've stayed close to the Lord 
and been willing to say, okay, what's the mandate for today? What's the mandate for today? And God will give me a word for somebody. God will give me a, you know, a scripture verse for somebody. And um, so I'm, I really want to see the prophetic in our, in our women just become a lifestyle yes. where, you know, what is the prophetic it is the exhortation and the encouragement of the word of God and of what God is saying so that we can continue to stay strong and to be bold in this time. And so I want it to be a daily lifestyle. And so that's what I, I um, have seen in a greater way and, and am speaking in a greater way uh, as I uh, trust the Lord and his voice to say, this is what this person needs to hear right now. And I say it. Awesome. It's so fun. And speaking of like assignments, speaking of assignments for today, we have one final assignment with you guys for you guys. And it's the five questions in five minutes. I think of this as like a home run derby. We're going to throw five and you guys just get to crush these softballs or baseballs, or you can coach others to do the same. Scott. So, um, to start us off, could you guys each describe one another in three words? I'll go first. So, uh, Karen, I would describe her in these three words, class, depth, and happiness. She's happy every day. And she's a woman of great depth, and she's a total class act. And I have come home to and woke up next to the same person for 38 years. There's been no surprises. Love it. Okay, for, for Scott, I would say he is uh, fun, funny. Uh, he is uh, brilliant, and he is very handsome. Oh, see, 38 years. Scott, you're blushing if you can't see him. Oh. Wow. <laughs> All right, question number two. Are there any words that you guys live by as a couple? It could be a verse, a word, um, <clears throat> a motto, anything that you guys kind of rally your family around. Well, when, the, when we were parenting, we did truth, love, and respect. Those were the three words we built our, our kids on. We could pretty much frame every one of their life behaviors that were bad around truth, love, and respect. But for me, I would say I live by total forgiveness, total forgiveness, forgiving everyone of everything every day. And then secondly, it's just new mercies. Every day is a new mercy. Show new mercy. Every new day brings new mercy for my life and for those around me. And so I live very free and uh, whole because of total forgiveness and new mercy. The thing that comes out on top for me is something like that. But um, we always practice that bad days come to pass and not to stay. And wow. so to stay the course and not to put extra emphasis on a negative day or a challenging day. That's great. Wow, that's an encouraging word for somebody today. And this this is the curveball of the Home Run Derby. If you guys could ask us one question, what would it be? I would ask you this question. Uh, who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? Yeah, you know, I would answer that question by saying that the depths of my heart, soul, mind, spirit have been calling out to deep. And we just became parents um, like four months ago. And so I'm becoming a parent, but I'm becoming like, I want to enter the throne room with Jesus. And there's a book I'm reading, A.W. Tozer wrote this, The Pursuit of God. And just as a deer pants after water, like that's where my soul is at. So that's who I'm becoming is more in love with Jesus every day. Um, 
not where I was, but definitely not satisfied with where I am. There's like, there's gotta be more. And so I'm just longing for the more of him. Yeah. Um, similarly to that, I think I've been praying a lot for um, what Oswald Chambers talks a lot in his book, My Utmost for the Highest, is sanctification. To really burn away all the impurities and to, um, re like, Lord, show me all the flaws and show me where I need to die to self. And when those things come up, he says we should be so sick of ourselves that we, when God shows us, like, oh, it's pride or, oh, it's this or, oh, it's that, we're like, oh, yep, like, Yep, Lord, I know, and I'm going to constantly hand that over. So I pray, I'm in a season of really praying, like, Lord, I hope and pray that I'm becoming more like the the character and the characteristics of Christ. And uh, when people see me or meet me, I don't want them to experience Micah. I want them to experience Christ through me. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, like, been my prayer this last season of, yes, becoming a parent, yes, a leader, pastor, whatever, you know, label you want to place on the responsibilities that we have, but to know that, knowing that I have to die to self and get to die to self each and every single day, hopefully, you know, draws me closer to the heart of Christ. And like Josiah said, the throne room and to be so in tune with the spirit that when he prompts, yeah. I don't ask who, what, when, where, why, or how I'm just like, I know that God's called me to do this and I don't, you know, throw up those guards right away. So hopefully those are some of my prayers that I've been praying through lately. So great question. Holy cow. Holy cow. Who are we becoming? So back to you guys. Could you just talk for a second about forward thinking leadership? A recent example is like North Central hosted the George Floyd Memorial. And there was a moment where you had to be forward thinkers in leadership and prophetic is part of it but just as a leader you need to get there before and faster and more often and and think ahead and not just it's like Wayne Gretzky I'm not just skating to the you know where you're passing I'm skating to where the puck is going to be that's a part of leadership so can you talk about forward thinking leadership for a moment uh, great question. Uh, is in specifics with the with the Floyd funeral, you know, the family called us, and I literally had a five minute window to figure out what what I was going to text back, and had to weigh the political theater. Uh, yep. Had to also weigh, you know, Elisha when he found out in Second Kings four that the widow's husband died and the sons were being sold into slavery. Elisha says, uh, or Elijah, Elisha says, how can I help? Four most important words in all of the Old Testament. How can I help? He doesn't say, how can I prophesy? How can I uh, lead? He said, how can I help? And so um, that really was in our, hey, how can we help? Um, and um, I felt like Paul in Acts 21, where the riot's going on, and that he has to go shave his head, pay the vows, and go in the temple for seven days, because there's a riot that is burning down Jerusalem. And I felt an enormous pressure. You know, the riots had hit the campus, the bookstore, you know, I had a vision that our whole campus was going to go up in flames. And literally, by offering to host that table of healing, it stopped it and put like a protection around the campus. So kind of weighing the long range, I knew short term, there would be people that would misunderstand everything. Um, but uh, that pastor's heart to say, I'm not going to turn these people away. We're just here to serve. What, what would Jesus want us to do? And <clears throat> in the long run, we would be on the right side of history. So that forward thinking. I knew it would be turbulent, misunderstood, but in the long run, history would say that was a great thing that the university served the city of Minneapolis that way and provided that space. Um, but forecasting is one of the uh, most important traits of leadership, the ability to see the future um, and act in the present based on the 
context of the long range. You know, there's three golf clubs in a bag, a putter, an iron, and a driver. We're all playing that one decision short game putt. We're playing mid-range decisions. We're also playing the long game. And so you're doing that in any given day. You're making the putter decision, the iron decision, and the driver decision. And sometimes you're making all three decisions as fast as possible. And so uh, that's kind of what happened during that, that window. What would you say, hon? I would just say that um, it just requires leadership at this point and through this whole thing has required incredible flexibility that you literally have to be ready um, because the, the course changed at any has changed at so many different angles. And if you're, if you're stuck in the methodology of how you do your life or how you do your, your um, job, mm -hmm. uh, you can be easily left behind. And so to be flexible and you know, that's, I think that should be a fruit of the spirit too, to flexibility um, because it's something that has to be, you know, applied to your life every single day. So um, that's the thing that I saw uh, with Scott, um, myself, any of us that had roles on that particular, in that particular event is being flexible and being willing to change and to move and to, to do whatever it is that's needed for that moment to make, um, you know, the thing happen. So flexibility is important. What an amazing opportunity and just a good reminder to, to be flexible when things don't go our way or the way that we plan. Yeah. We come to the final question. We want to honor your time. We have one minute left. If you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult leaders one thing, Scott, what would you share? Karen, what would you share for the listener today? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume they're married. Okay, I'm gonna talk to married couples here, and Karen can talk to singles or whatever. But um, if you're married, number one thing, don't have an affair. You will be yeah. shocked at the, you will take away 90%, 99% of your life heartaches if you will stay faithful in your marriage and not have an affair. Just make that commitment. I'm going to stay faithful to my spouse for my whole life. I'm not going to have an affair. Um, I know that sounds kind of a crazy left field thing to say, but looking back, I'm telling you the comp, not that God can't forgive and God can't use you. Yes, 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 yes. But the complications you self-inflict by that one decision not to do that, the freedom you have for your life, so you have a shot at being fruitful. That one decision is the game changer. Just just stay faithful for a lifetime to that person. Don't, don't step outside your marriage, ever. And for me, it would go uh, for singles or married, is think before you speak. And um, just allow the Holy Spirit, whenever you're getting ready to reply or respond, uh, or react, there's a difference. Um, let the Holy, just take a moment and think before you speak, take a breath, let the Holy Spirit check what's going to come out of your mouth, because that's going to help you with longevity. There's so many times that we can just cut off um, influence, we cut off our, you know, uh, just our reputation, because we just say something without thinking and reaction. And so thinking before you speak will save you from a lot of heartache and trouble. Such great advice, so many practical takeaways. I'm thrilled that we got to just spend this time with you guys both, what a treasure. So Dr. Scott and Karen, thank you guys yeah. so much for the conversation thank today. You. It's been if great. We got each other today on opposite sides of the country. Yeah. We are happily married, even though we're in separate screens here, I promise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, well, listeners, you can find out more about Dr. Scott and Karen Hagan and North Central University when you check out the show notes at Young Adults Today, as well as our social media and website. It's just youngadults.today. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us. Season five. Happy New Year.
thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I'm all wired up right now. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.